This series of Friday's Child is brought to you in association with The Healthy Home. I don't know about you, but my desire to nest and organise my home has only increased since becoming a parent. I am obsessed with making sure my home is clean and hygienic for my little one, but there are certain germs and nasties that simply cannot be seen by the naked eye. Well, this is where the wonderful team at The Healthy Home come in. The Healthy Home is the leading company in the Middle East specialised in advanced, eco-friendly sanitisation technologies, home services and products. Their renowned team have been the expert leaders in the home services industry since 2013, so they really know what they're doing. As we head towards the end of the year, now is the perfect time to get the Healthy Home team in to make sure your home is free of impurities that cannot be removed by regular cleaning methods. And if not managed properly, germs, bacteria and viruses can be spread across your home through your AC. Poor indoor air quality can trigger allergies, asthma, eczema, morning fatigue, itchy eyes and even bed bugs. So protect your family and have peace of mind that your home is not only clean, but safe. Even this time of year, living in the Middle East involves constantly blasting your AC. And if you're anything like me, you have a husband who loves to have the temperature on 19, regardless of the season. I recently had the Healthy Home team pay us a visit to clean all our AC units and ducts, which is something I've been meaning to do for years. Did you know that AC systems can provide the perfect breeding environment for a number of contaminants such as dust, mold and bacteria? These spread around your indoor space, contributing to common health allergy, respiratory and fatigue issues. Well, I am so happy to report that our AC units are now sparkling clean. And I know this as the team kindly took some awesome before and after photos to show me the huge difference. In addition to their wonderful pure air treatment, the Healthy Home provide dry and chemical-free mattress and furniture deep cleaning along with sanitization to help you breathe better, sleep better and improve your overall energy levels whilst keeping your indoor air environment clean. Now how good does that sound? All the Healthy Home treatments are chemical-free and eco-friendly so they're 100% safe for infants and children. If you'd like to find out more about The Healthy Home Services, just visit their website www.thehealthyhome.me or check out their Instagram page, both of which are linked in the show notes of this episode. Welcome to Friday's Child, the podcast on a mission to educate, empower and support you on your parenting journey. I'm your host, Peter, a British expat who's been living in Dubai for 10 years and first-time mama to my gorgeous little girl, Mavia. Each episode, I'll be speaking with a different incredible guest from childbirth educators, parenting coaches, infant sleep specialists, weaning experts, entrepreneurs and more, and we'll be discussing all areas of parenting and beyond. And I can assure you, no topic is off-limit. So, let's get into it. Today I'm chatting with someone very special. This wonderful person is my work wife, a close friend, and someone who is extremely open and honest about their journey with their beautiful daughter Willow's additional needs. I am of course talking about Bella Tanner. This conversation was so fun and Bella and I could talk for England, so let's just get right into it. Here's season five, episode two, with the gorgeous Bella Tanner. Bella, welcome to the podcast. Hello, how are you? Do you know what? This is going to be so lovely because 
people listening may not know this, but we work together. We're friends. We do. Yeah. We see each other almost every day. And pretty much, yeah. I did not realize, I just asked you before we hit record, that you have never been a guest on a podcast before, which I find really hard to believe. I do, yeah, nobody wants me on. I think it's because I'm such a hot mess that I just think, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're on the right show, babe. You are on the right show. Brilliant. <laughs> so let's start because I want to hear about your motherhood journey. So let's go right back and let's, talk, okay. if you're happy to, talk about yeah. how you found out you were pregnant. Oh, it's quite the story. So I... First and foremost, there was no plans on having babies. I didn't know if I wanted to have kids yet. I was very much sort of in amongst my career and I want to be a famous radio presenter and I wanted to do all this stuff and it just it was just never it was always in the back of my mind that yeah at some point I will have kids. Um been in a happy relationship for three years. Uh and then at one point my now husband at the time, I was absolutely furious with him at all times of the day, night. I at, like I was generally like on the brink of going, I'm done. This is it. I I can't stand you anymore. And um that turns out to be hormones really. Um they're quite they're quite intense, especially if you don't know if you're pregnant and you're not planning to have babies. Like there's no sort of moment where you can go maybe that's why I'm so angry. <laughs> like, so There might be people listening I'm, now like, oh shit, maybe I should go buy a pregnancy test. Maybe that's why I hate my husband. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm actually thinking now, I've been in such a terrible mood all weekend. I'm like, oh shit, maybe I should go, maybe I should stop drinking this Prosecco and go and take a pregnancy test. But so what Have the Prosecco first, is, have the Prosecco first. Take the test. Yeah, no. yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> it might be my last one. I'm only joking. There's no plans of children. For, the, for a long time but anyway so we um there was one day where I needed to go to ACE to get something I think we had an ant problem and I had to go and get some stuff James was at work and I'm on my way to ACE in Motor City and I am crying and I don't know why and as soon as I get into ACE every time my husband is the one that goes to ACE it, he's the one that goes and buys all the stuff that I need from you know the home goods store so he was doing all of that and then the every time he would go I would go please can you get me this particular shower rail I really need it because it I don't like our bathroom and every time he would come back and he was like they didn't have it in stock and as soon as I walked in I see this shower rail and I'm like that lying bastard <laughs> I was furious anyway I didn't buy the shower rail I left and where I had parked my car it was like a double doored pharmacy and I had parked right in front of that pharmacy and I walked past the back doors of it and could see my car and I was like I'm just going to skip through the pharmacy so I skipped through the pharmacy but felt really really bad for the cashier because I wasn't I didn't want them to realize I was just taking a shortcut so the first thing I picked up was a pregnancy test and just picked it up bought it was like thanks so much got in the car went home completely forgot that it was in my bag and then as and then at that point I'm not angry with James anymore again hormones you know James is absolutely I'm not I'm not going to break up with James he's perfectly fine like it was just such a like roller coaster big highs big lows exactly so we all then decide to go to bed and I walk past my bag and see it and I was like well I need a wee so I took the test and it, two lines came up I see the two lines and I'm like what does that mean? <laughs> 
So I grab the box and then I go, fuck. <laughs> and then after that happens, I call for James. And I, this is literally how the conversation went. I went, James, I'm downstairs, he's upstairs. I go, James. And he goes, yeah. And I was like, can you come downstairs, please? And he was like, no, I'm already in bed. And I was like, <laughs> like furious again. So I went upstairs, chucked it at him, uh, making sure I had the cap back on. I feel like every time you watch a television program and somebody's pregnant, they like hand the pregnancy and test immediately. Yeah, it's like the pee stick bit yeah. just doesn't have the cap on. I'm like, that's disgusting. <laughs> that's what the cap's for. Anyway, threw it at him. He was like, what does that mean? Threw the box at him. And his response was, oh dear, <laughs> oh dear. And um, it took us, I want, I want to say, it felt like a week. It probably took around three days to make the decision of whether or not we were going to basically fast forward what we always knew would end up happening, but fast forward it by, by quite a lot of, of, you know, time. So we ended up, so that took a long time. We were so convinced that we couldn't afford children. In hindsight now, when we think about just how much, I'll get to this bit, just how much Willow is costing. It's quite funny that we thought that we couldn't afford children when we're dealing with what we deal with now. But um, yeah, so we, it took us about three days. I think the final decider was a phone call from my dad. And my dad was like, I was 24 when I had you. I think we have a great relationship now. And once you guys were 18, you fucked off and we got to go on loads of holidays. And I was like, that's a great thing. Cause they're still young. Like, you know, my dad, my dad became a grandparent before he was 50. So it's like quite a nice yeah. age gap with everything. So I was kind of like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Like I'm kind of in the same position that my parents were in. So it's not like I'm, you know, 16 and pregnant and like, I don't know what to do. It was, you know, I'm an adult and I'm, I'm in a healthy relationship that, you know, we didn't plan on having kids as soon as we did, but I think it's worked out really well. You know, we're still married, so that's good. <laughs> we still live together. <laughs> did you, you know, we're happy. was your main concern the fight, the financial side of things, or was it also that I, I feel like I'm just not ready. Like I haven't done like all the things I wanted to do before I have kids. Yeah, so I think there was there was three main things. And in hindsight, the third one I'll mention is completely, utterly ridiculous. But the, the first one was the financials. I was a freelancer. I wasn't earning a lot of money. Um, I always felt like I was in between jobs from, to be honest, really two years into mine and James's relationship, I was kind of like in and out of jobs quite frequently. Um, so that made me not feel very secure enough to be like, oh yes, I'm ready to be a mother. Like it's just, it just wasn't, you know, and, and James and I at the time, we weren't, you know, in, in the most amazing jobs. So like, how do you go, that's when you start, you know, putting roots down and having kids. The second one was that I felt like I hadn't lived my life yet. James and I to this day still haven't just, just gone on a holiday, the two of us just, you know, um, yeah. got on a plane, just the two of us and flown somewhere. You know, there's always been people coming with us or friends coming with us and joining us or going places for reasons like weddings. And if anybody tells me again, you go to England together, going to England is not a holiday. Yeah, you know, it's that's, not. that's literally another job. Like it's so exhausting. It's not a holiday. Um, so you always, I always have to kind of like take that into consideration. I was like, we haven't traveled, like we've not 
we've not done that that holiday thing I, I've still in my head felt like I was 17 and ready to go backpacking around Thailand like I just wasn't ready and then the third one was that I was like James has never proposed to me like does he really want to be with me forever like this is and also there's never been on my mum's side of the and I say on my mum's side of the family like go into my dad's side of the family there's never been a divorce and everybody's in very happy relationships and I was like and I said it to James I was like I swear to God if we get divorced I will not be the first person to be divorced in my family I will not and it was like and it's it's a, such a stupid thing but yeah, I felt like there was always I don't think that. it's I don't think it's stupid okay well I, I was like I did I was convinced that it would be like I didn't I didn't want children to be the failure of our relationship and there was Mm. something in my head where I was like every person that I know which isn't even the case like that's far from the case but I feel like all of the all of my friends who had kids young they're not with the dads anymore which again isn't the case but in my head that's all I could see yeah they're the ones that stick Yeah. yeah And I was just like, this is what's gonna, this is what's gonna happen to us. And it, and it hasn't, obviously there's, there's rough patches and, you know, we know we've not had the easiest ride with Willow. Um, and we've not had the most, you know, um, there have been really, really bad times at, at times, but we've always stayed together. And I did, and I, and it took me a while to realize, no, actually like James is the person that I want to be with forever. There's no other person for me and all of that sort of stuff. And I, and that's, that was because I still thought I was 17 and I still thought that I would go gallivanting around Europe and doing all of that sort of stuff. That's not what I wanted to do. It's not what I wanted to do at all. I wanted to, I want to be with James. And then, yeah, it was just a whirlwind of stuff. Like I didn't realize how much, how much I thought children would end things for everybody mm. and that's actually not it actually starts things I don't know well, there it's, is it's a, a narrative one. that you know and my brother is going through this at the moment because him and his wife are thinking about having children and he's like but it's I'm not there's so many things I'm not gonna be able to do and I'm like well maybe for a short time yeah exactly it doesn't mean that your life is over just because you decide to have children it's different and you know there are sacrifices but there is this thing that people well I don't know whether like we've been brought up to believe this but it's almost like you know once you have kids that's it like you like you're not gonna be able to do anything that you want to do Mm. and it's just it's, it's not the case it's not it's not at all it's like I mean James and I went to Amsterdam when Willow is five months old like we're we're lucky enough to be able to every time we plan a trip to the UK we then plan an external trip to just go you know it it always ends up being just the two of us going but then friends will join us and it becomes you know a really nice time but um we always want that break away from it gives us an opportunity to you know have just like some couple time and just time like pretending like we're kids again and i think that's really vital as well if if anything whenever i you know james every birthday that we've had that i've had since willow's been born we always do something like kiddulty so like we'll do um an escape room or yeah. we'll do something like mini golf like we'll do all of these fun things that you know are designed for adults but are kind of like kids entertainment because I want to feel like I mean I, I say I want to feel young again I'm very lucky to be 
26 and have a two and a half year old then I think yeah. that's also a big benefit as well that I I still have a lot of time to go around and do lots have of things time and you have energy as well exactly. and so exactly. let's go back to your pregnancy so okay you get your head around the fact that you're having a baby yeah how was the rest of your pregnancy oh my god okay so I find out I'm pregnant I go and get a scan. I'm six weeks gone. James and I then go and get married. Um, and like we do, we do it all kind of a bit mismatched. But um, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, that's when I started feeling sick. And this is again back to the, I think the only reason why I had sickness during my pregnancy was because I was like, holy shit, I'm pregnant. Not Oh, it's the morning sickness. It was because I was absolutely terrified of what was happening. Um, throughout my pregnancy, I was always concerned of complications. I was always worried that um, something was going to go wrong. I refused to sleep on my back. There was just so many things that I was worried about that was going to go wrong. Um, and I, but then other than that, it was pretty straightforward there was no I was I wasn't a high risk pregnancy I was so low risk to the point where I feel like my doctor neglected me that's like one thing I always want to mention I, I didn't I know so many people that had the same doctor and they've had great experiences and they have that every child with him I didn't have a good experience with him and I feel like he took advantage not advantage of me but kind of took it put it down to like my age at the time so it was just kind of like very hands-off not willing like he the first time he checked me was when I was eight and a half centimeters dilated that was the first time he ever whoop, popped his hand yeah. in and you know checked what was going on you know refused to do a sweep due to what he could see on a scan you can't see you can't see how dilated I am on a scan you usually I, hear honestly, they're desperate to induce you and speed up the process Oh no, it all got sped up. I, 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 that was the one thing that I kind of like tried to help hold off on. Cause I was like, no, I want, I want to wake up and be like, oh, my waters have broken and oh my goodness, let's go to the hospital. Or I wanted to be in labor at home watching, keeping up with the Kardashians on my, on my bouncy ball. And I, so I was very adamant, like he was like, you're one day overdue. You have to come in for a ECG, I think it's called. Every day he wanted me to go in for one of those at one day overdue. And it was like, okay, fine. I was nine days overdue. And then at that point, because it was so relentless having to go back and forth from the clinic, it wasn't close to my house. And I was on maternity leave. James was still working. So it was like, I wasn't technically meant to be driving at that point as well because I was overdue or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't and, um, to be driving at that stage. Yeah. So it's like you kind of, you get to the point when you're like, fine, just go on then induce me what day should I go in like it just got mm -hmm. to that point which is a bit of a shame um but yeah my the only bad thing about my pregnancy was the heartburn the my heartburn I have never encountered something so disgusting <laughs> in all my life my heartburn I would have to sleep I was sleeping sat up um just to try and like keep it down but there would be times where I would wake up and I would have to run to the bathroom and literally throw up stomach acid because it was so high up 
to to my to the back of my throat. It was it was awful. Um, but yeah, everything else was pretty. And it, again, I say it in in sort of hindsight when we you know get to what what's going on with Willow now. Having such a boring, uneventful pregnancy says a lot about you know what we then in I say endured what we then experienced mm. with Willow. Um, you know, her first three months were very pre- were pretty boring and uneventful. Um, but yeah, so the pregnancy was pretty boring. Pregnancy wasn't very... The birth? The birth was, to put it bluntly, 17 hours ending in a C-section. Um, 17 hours. So I went in uh, at midnight on the 9th of April and um, I got induced and I started feeling, and that was at midnight, and then by 4am I think I started feeling quite a lot of pain but also again I'm thinking that's that a lot of it was in my mind because I'm like they've put a pessary in and at some point I'm supposed to be experiencing pain oh here it comes so I don't know if a lot of it was like a mental game on my part and I remember the nurse saying that she will come in and check on me at six so nobody came in until 6am and then at that point I was like yeah okay I think there's pretty much happening and then they checked me and I think I was two or three centimeters dilated at that point. Um, So it was happening very slowly. And then I got to four centimeters and they said something about how like, it was always, it was always a big, a big part of my pregnancy was the labor wasn't happening fast enough. And in my head, I'm like, who's, who's timing it? Like, what's the speed limit? Why do we, is there a speed limit on, on a labor? So like this, this was mentioned like throughout your birth. birth. Yeah. And at this point, my, my waters hadn't broken yet. So there's still, you know, a 24 hour safe space for me to have late, have a baby because my waters hadn't even broken then. So it's like you're telling me that like nothing's moving fast enough. So they so I was like, okay, speed it up, thinking that that was a bad thing. When in again, thinking back to it and now remembering what I had learned in all my antenatal classes and everything like that, you know, the only time you're on the only moment where you're on a clock is once you're at the 24 hour mark after your waters have broken because mm. then it's bacteria and infection and then that's when it's a concern. But being four centimeters dilated and no waters broken yet i should have been in the all clear like she's pretty chill like it's all good so anyway they were like break her waters so they broke my waters with no pain i had gas and air at that point and it was the most painful thing i have ever encountered in my life um so at that point i was like give me the epidural so they gave me the epidural and I went from when I when my waters broke I went from four centimeters to six centimeters and I want to say that that was at about 11 a.m so on the 9th so then from 11 until around six o'clock 6 p.m I'm go I went from six centimeters to eight centimeters so it was really really slow um and once and then my doctor got called in at eight centimeters and he was like she's at eight why am i here yeah they literally show up for the yeah like glory moment they they? show up to show up to to catch the baby coming out of your hoo-ha and then they're like i did it (laughs) you're like "Mm -hmm, brilliant and then they go okay bye bye um 
but so he turns up at eight centimeters and he's he's clearly miffed that he's come at eight centimeters and i'm not ready to push yet so then checks me and goes yeah the baby's head's stuck and i'm like and again if it was if it was me now i'd be like of course the baby's fucking head is stuck because i'm only eight centimeters dilated there's no chance the baby's coming out yet then he asked me to push and I was like, oh, I've been waiting for this moment. I've watched one born every minute. Okay, let's go. And he's like, yeah, this baby's not coming. And again, if I had known that I was only at eight, why are we even having yeah. this conversation? Why are we even trying? So anyway, he then tells me that I need a C-section. And then I then I think James stepped in and was like, she doesn't want a C-section. I think James also didn't want me to have a C-section because he's he's got such a phobia of hospitals. I was lucky to even have him in the room. Like it was, it, he, he knew there was a part where he was like, if it ends in a C-section, I can't be in that room. Like I can't do it. I will pass out. So I had my sister there as well. Cause I thought that if, if it got down, yeah, back my sister would be coming in. Yeah. So, um, ends up like happening and James walks up to the doctor. I won't say his name um and was like she doesn't want a c-section and he was like well you could go home and then come back and this baby still won't come like epidural in my i can't feel my legs but yeah okay we can go home like shut up anyway it was sarcasm just badly delivered um and then so it i ended up i ended up phoning my mum and she was she told me the story like last night because my mum and dad are visiting at the moment she told me the story last night and she remembered she was in the supermarket when I phoned her and she's like in the supermarket picking up the most random things because she knows that I'm in labor and she's like oh yes we need uh, eight bottles of laundry detergent yes we need that like just to try and keep herself as busy as possible um and like to pass the time as well so anyway I phone her up and <laughs> she goes hello darling you okay and I go I don't want to say like that and she was like calm down everything will be okay and I was so distraught that it was ending in what I didn't want and uh, and then Morgan my sister took the phone off of me and was like she's fine she's just she just has to have a c-section Morgan is your twin sister for anyone that yeah Morgan's my twin yeah um so ended up like having to just like go in and at that point the epidural wasn't agreeing with me and I've got uncontrollable shakes and I'm jittering and like my jaws, like my jaw is clenched, but it's also like shaking a lot. Like I just wasn't having the best time. And then they like upped the dosage. Like they expected me to sign the waiver about like with the, about the um, epidural, because obviously it was going in like full numbing at this point because it was a C-section and I'm there and I cannot keep my hands still like expected to sign stuff. And I was like, I'm so scared. James gets taken into an, and at this point, James's adrenaline has kicked in. He's coming in the room with me. Like, there's no way he's not going to be with me at this point. So that was really good. Um, I still, I still like really, really appreciate him for that because I think, I, I think it would have been one of, if not the worst experience of my mm. life. If not saying that Morgan isn't great, but I, yeah, but you want you your know, partner like, there. Exactly. And meeting your daughter for the first time, that's something that I think the mum and dad should experience, not the mum and the auntie, but fine. Um, So anyway, he's away in another room getting his scrubs on because they have to put the scrubs on. 
and he's so full of adrenaline and nervous he ends up picking up the doctor's scrubs and put the doctor's scrubs on and then the door gets open and the, oh my god and this the is mid- amazing i know and the midwife goes why are you wearing that and he went um am i not supposed to be wearing that and she was like we don't have time so he ends up going in <laughs> dressed as a doctor that is amazing is funny um and then they told him to sit down he had to stay seated obviously and um yeah, you go, when you have a C-section, I feel like every, if it's the first ever, if you're, if you're a first-time mum and you're having a C-section, I feel like as soon as they go, can you feel this? You're always going to go, yes, <laughs> I can feel everything. <laughs> like, you can't. You can't feel anything. You feel a, a bit of tugging, like, and all of that sort of stuff. It's just incredibly scary. And because you know yeah. what they're doing, you're in your head convinced you can feel it. And it's like, and it was just absolutely terrifying anyway willow comes out we didn't find out the sex and we were convinced that it was going to be a boy um so james went and i was like james is it because i i made very clear in my birth plan i didn't my birth plan if if anything went to plan the only thing that did was nobody told me that it was a girl except james i was like my husband tells Mm. me who if it's a girl or a boy tells me the gender and he goes, he goes, it's, it, it's a girl. And I was like, it's a girl? <laughs> like, we were so convinced it was a boy. Um, and then, like, see this baby, they bring the baby, they bring the baby, they bring Willow to me. And, um, like, I, like, stroke her face, look at her, and, you know, she's all a bit gooey. Yeah. Yeah, gooey and squidgy and uh, squashed, I don't know. And um, then they go and clean her up and James goes over, almost trips over my epidural wire, bearing in mind. They were like, can you please just like be a little bit more careful in this operating theatre, please? So anyway, he goes over there. Um, the, anaste- the anesthesiologist, I think is what mm. they call them, looked over at me and I am shaking. I'm like uncontrollably shaking like look like seizure type shakes and they went oh christ so popped me full of morphine and i was i not i was knocked out essentially um the next thing i know is i wake up i open my eyes and i'm still in the 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 or the you know the or the operating room and i i look up and like there's there is somebody mopping in there there's the anesthesiologist like writing a load of notes and I'm kind of like my head is back and I'm looking around and I'm like I'm dead I'm dead this is this is death I'm dead because my baby was nowhere to be seen I couldn't hear any crying my husband was nowhere to be seen and my doctor was gone I was like I am this is death hello when do I head to you know meet the man himself like it was just really weird and then I don't know what, I don't, I don't remember what happened. I think that somebody just came over to me and they were like, are you ready to meet your, your baby girl? And then they kind of wheeled me out. And I was like, I'm not dead. Like it was, but in my head, it felt like a really, really long time. How long have you been in there? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't remember. And what I've, and I've actually, when I would love to ask James this as well, like how long between me passing out James leaving the room to me coming back 
how how long is that space because i literally don't know does he know and then or is it also a blur for him i so we we were at, we took willow to the emergency room of parkview <laughs> when was that wednesday night no tuesday night and I remember everything. And I was like, don't you remember like signing in here? Look at the lift, like all of this stuff. And he was like, I don't remember anything. Like he's just so, I'm sure if I asked him, I'm sure if I like really like asked him, how long was it after I was like knocked out to coming to see you, was it? Because they put me back into like a recovery area and Morgan and James were there and James was holding Willow. And at that point I was like, oh my God, we've, there's a baby. Like, and it was all really weird. And then they do the whole like skin to skin yeah. and they did the, um, like trying to teach me how to breastfeed to see if I had any colostrum. Like obviously my milk had not come in at that point. Like, but like, just do your best at that point. And I showed you the photo last, last week and it's like, this this nurse is literally like cradling Willow's head, popping her on my boob, and my sister's in the background like she's just discovered gold. Like Your she's sister's like, oh! face is priceless. <laughs> it is a picture. It's brilliant. I love it. Um, I might zoom it in and just frame it myself because it's such a good photo. Um, but yeah, so it's like so that was all in one like recovery area, and then they took us to the the like. I mean, I don't know what it's called, just my, my hospital room. And yeah. that would be my hospital room for, it turned out to be five days I was in the hospital for, um, which was longer than I ever thought I would be in there for, because C-sections are normally like four days. And I, I think was there for here they like to keep you for a bit longer if you've, if you've had yeah. surgery. I think in the UK, it's literally like a day or two, even day, if you've yeah. had surgery. And, yeah. Um, yeah, here you, they're a bit more. If you the baby out. Yeah, it's it, in in the UK. I know people who have had a baby in their home by the afternoon. Like, I don't know about you, but I I'm a bit like James. I'm a bit scared of hospitals. I haven't spent a lot of time in them, so they're quite alien mm -hmm. to me. And I was really nervous about being in a hospital, but actually, the hospitals here are like hotels, and I actually really enjoyed the hospital bit. And the going home bit was scarier right. than being in the hospital. <laughs> oh my god, a hundred percent. I quite like it here. Anymore. I'm comfortable. The nurses are nice. Yeah, I like, I know, I like honestly, this. Do we have to leave? I was the same. James and I kept calling it a hotel room. We kept they are. calling we're it. We're so lucky room. here. They are. I mean, I know what what we're not so lucky with is the experience you had is very common, and yeah. it's. I would go as far to say it's like malpractice. Is that the right mm. expression? Yeah, I think so. You know, being told to push at eight centimeters. I mean, I don't think you have to be a doctor to know that that's that's not that's not the right I know. thing. Exactly. Um, and it does feel very, it does feel like you're, you're taking advantage of very vulnerable people in those situations. Yeah, because they're on a timer. The hospital yeah. are on a timer. They need you out by a certain time to get the next patient mm -hmm. in. So you're on their clock, whereas it mm -hmm. should be the other way around. And you know, like on one born every minute, you know, you have yeah. ladies that are laboring for days before yeah. there's any kind of intervention. Whereas here that's not really how it goes it's very different it's like but... clockwork here yeah anyway so in and out, yeah. exactly um so you go home after five days and mm -hmm. so how was that first you know they call it the fourth trimester that first three months 
it was really easy it was really easy and i'm gonna sound like a dick when i say that but like willow was an easy baby she slept okay sometimes we had to wake her to feed her like we like but again you look at that all in hindsight with how willow is now and i have had the hardest weekend with willow this week to the point where i'm like just not in a i'm just not happy this weekend because it has been she's been really really difficult um and you know we'll we'll get to that soon but the the three month the first three months willow slept she cried a little bit she ate i think what i had done is i put more pressure on myself like to to ensure what thigh, what breaths did i last feed on mm. who cares who cares what ones what what like where's the milk coming from okay the milk's not coming out of that one cool okay put her on the other one and then if as soon as you start like uh, what's the letdown comes from the other one yeah. because obviously she's stim it's stimulated her and she's now feeding pop one of those like other like those suction things on and collect the milk and it's like in in my head and it's and i i solely blame instagram to be honest i had followed all of these mums who had babies before me and they absolutely terrified me. They're like, oh my God, the colic is awful. And oh my God, I can't stop crying. And don't ever leave the house. And it was like, she was fine. Like she was absolutely fine. And it's just, you just have to kind of jump into it and be like, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing, but nor does my baby. Yeah. My baby's been in a womb for nine months and has been nice, squidgy and warm. And now it's in the air conditioning in a country it doesn't know. And it's got a mum and a dad that it doesn't really know either. And it's just like, you know, we're all getting used to it. We're all getting to know it. One, know what this new life is. Yeah, exactly. And it's like once, yeah, and once, once you kind of, I think you get into the swing of it a lot quicker than you can realise. And a mother's intuition is an incredible thing as well. And I think that's where I was, but you always get told about a mother's intuition. You always get told about that instant love that you have for your child. You can't force that on yourself. Mm. If that doesn't come automatically, don't hate yourself for it. Mine didn't come automatically. I felt like I had an animal that I needed to keep alive for three months. I genuinely felt like, oh, this is my new pet. Coco, meet Willow. Took us three days to name Willow as well. And even after we named her, we were like, can you get the baby? Like it was just this weird alien. Oh my experience. god! My husband kept doing this really weird thing where he would call her like, yeah, like the baby, or like he called her him a few times, and like he was just like a fucking rabbit <laughs> in the headlights. He was just yeah. like, uh, uh, and yeah. like I could see that he was just a bit like, we have a baby, like yeah, oh like I could I'm see like, it was really taking a while to kind of like for him to digest the fact that this baby is here like yeah. this is real now yeah that is a real thing yeah, yeah. it's, in, it's incredible just, yeah and then like yeah. they start crying and you're like oh shit yeah we had a baby oh my god yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh my god yeah go, okay hey, yeah i've got a thing that i need to feed and that's why my boobs are so big like it's <laughs> just those moments where you're like in those early like, days shocked. yeah yeah those are, those are, yeah and and then i think it got weirdly it got easier after james went back to work after maternity leave and i think it's because it's that's you know that's your time to become a family and kind of work out what what works for you and how you're going to you know you know i had a c-section james had to inject me with blood thinners seven days after we got home mm. 
that's not a fun thing. To, that's not a bonding experience between yeah. husband and wife. I don't recommend it for anyone. But like, and I, because I couldn't do it myself, so he did it. But like, you're you're in this new routine where like. James would be like, oh, don't worry, I'll bath the baby. And I'm like, thank God, because I don't have I don't have a million hands and also my tits are killing me. Like, just let me sit down. So he would do that. But then once James went back to work, it was kind of like, right, okay, well, hi, Willow. I'm your mum and we're going to work this thing out together because I'm at the moment, I'm the only person that can feed you. So we're just going to work this out together. We're going to see what we can do. And then daddy's going to, you know, kind of plant himself in where he can. And that was at bath times. And it always stayed at bath times until Willow is in a full routine. James doesn't finish work till 10. So, you know, bath time's a, a weekend thing for James now. But at the time, that was that was the only thing that worked for us. And I think James going to work was was a moment for me to go okay cool well I need to get my shit together because I've let him go and get the the breastfeeding pillow and I've made him change all of the nappies and it's like I you can't do that like you god love James because there's there's also you know he's a good one he is he is because you know you talk to me a lot about how and I I hate even this expression hands-on like yeah. I hate it. I posted that story yesterday from that yeah, um, really funny woman from TikTok talking about this. Like these expressions are just so outdated, but you know what I mean? The fact that he stepped up and he, because so, mm. sometimes like, that's not the case, you know? Oh yeah. So, yeah. You know, hats off to James, but I think, you know, I don't know if you had this, but in those early days, I just used to get so nervous, like changing her and dressing her. And cause like, you've never done this, but I'd never changed yeah. a newborn's nappy. And they're yeah. so tiny and it's, it's a, re- yeah, it's an adjustment and it, and you're yeah. learning on the job. You're literally learning while you're in the thick of it, in the trenches. Exactly. I don't think, I don't think you can ever prepare yourself for it. You can go to as many antenatal classes as you like, but James is very, James is very I don't he's he was always good at school I was terrible at school so he still remembers things from the antenatal class now and I go really they said that like I just don't I don't remember any of it so having him there to be able to be like well this is what Drew Campbell said Drew Campbell was the was the midwife who gave us all the antenatal classes I highly recommend that antenatal classes at Health Bay yeah yeah the Health Bay I've heard really good things about them it was really good and um but it was but like I think I was just so preoccupied and okay well tell me about the labor tell me what I'm going to be going through not yeah cool yeah the baby will come later it's fine like, like so having those those moments where you're kind of like my baby is screaming um I do I feed her with a bottle do I give her a dummy oh crap she's now shit herself great do what do I feed her first or do I shit change her nappy like and how do you do it and on top of that you've got this other layer of like but people say if you give them a dummy too early then yeah. you know they won't latch on as well and then if I'm gonna do like combi feeding which bottle like so then you've got all the this other stuff going on where you're just yeah. like Oh, I'm so confused. Like, I, what is the I, best way to go? And then you quickly realize, you know what? I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to follow my gut. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, it's great to 
to kind of get advice and information but then you ultimately yeah. like you've just got to do what works for you but it takes a while you know to I, feel confident doesn't it absolutely and do you know what I feel like was the biggest load of bullshit I ever experienced was the was well actually I don't I don't know if I can say that actually because I look at it now and I feel like it was a waste of time but it was only because Willow never took to a bottle well so six months down the line I can't use that that breast milk anymore that I've kept in the freezer because you're not allowed to use it after six months I'm sure you can I'm sure it would have been fine but I threw it all away and in my head I'm like that was that was the biggest stress for me was to make sure that I had expressed enough to then freeze a load and then as soon as I was expressing less than like I don't know 50 mils I was like I'm a failure no you're not you're not a failure at all that's what formula is for and you know oh, what you baby see I very quickly realized that I'm not cut out for expressing I reckon I did yeah. it probably I could count on one hand I was just like yeah. I'm not getting enough and I'd rather be asleep so yeah I'm not gonna I, this whole like getting a, fr- a freezer full of milk like she will have what's ready and available <laughs> so yeah, I can't do exactly. it yeah and I, I was kind of I I wasn't like that because of what I was told and yeah. what I was what I had it do you know what it all comes down to the way that your algorithm works on the internet because I was told that if you don't express and if you don't freeze your milk and it's and it's not this yellow liquid gold keep that at the back of the fridge don't let it sit in a door and you're like all of this stuff where you're just like okay fine i need to do that that was the biggest stress for me dating those plastic bags pouring it in spilling it and crying over it everybody says oh no you you'll really understand what don't cry over spilt milk means uh, until you breastfeed or whatever that saying is mm. doesn't matter there's more there is going to be more and if there isn't you feed your baby with some formula yeah. because it's not about if a boob's better than than a bottle because they're just as good as one another. I'm 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 such an advocate for combi feeding. Oh and my god! It, even me if too. you're just only formula feeding, because it's like like I and and like uh, what what is it like half and half as well? Do whatever you think is right for your kid because your kid is yours. You created them. Like. It's unless unless you're feeding it bloody prosecco, I don't have a, a problem with what what milk you give your child. Unless it, oh no, I can't really say that bit because you can't give them cow's milk. But you know what I mean. Like it's it's just yeah, it's you, you we put so much pressure on yourself. We have enough make sure pressure. You, mm-hmm, yeah, it's I'm it's I'm awful. with you on that. It's and there was a little part of me that. I was ready to stop. She was ready to start. We ordered the formula. But there was still a tiny part of me that thought, is this like, am I doing the right thing? But I knew she was hungry and I didn't have enough milk. So what are you going to do? But listen, I want to get to when you first felt like that, that gut feeling, that intuition was like, hang on a minute. I don't feel like Willow is developing how maybe I thought she would be or those like milestones that you know in those first few months you're at the doctors quite a lot and they're kind of like asking you questions and um so yeah talk talk us through that so I was convinced 
One of my main things, and I and I've only recently started like admitting this to people. One of my main reasons why I was so terrified to have children was because I didn't want to have a child with disabilities. That was something that really, really scared me. Not that I feel like there's anything. How do I say this? <laughs> but it, it, you know, I was just absolutely terrified of, you know, having having that extra burden and having a child who wouldn't necessarily have a normal upbringing or you know would have a hard life at school and um that was was just a big fear of mine and i was convinced that you know if i had a baby i would have a baby with with disabilities that was just something that i had always had in my head and um i ended up what what did i end up doing oh we had one of the ecgs I th again, I don't know if it's called that, but it's like they monitor the baby yeah. um, when I was like three or four days overdue and um, you get like a buzzer sort of thing. It looks like you, you're on an old 60s game show and you just press it every time the baby moves. And the midwife left us for 10 minutes and Willow had moved 77 times in 10 minutes. And I asked the midwife, I was like, is that, you know, could that be a sign of cerebral palsy? And the midwife looked at me and was like, honey, a baby gets cerebral palsy after. It's due to traumatic birth. It's a brain injury. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. Like, I was just always, as soon as Willow started kicking and moving around, I was like, something's wrong. Anyway, Willow turns up. Willow's, you know, very healthy. Um, we had to do a heel prick test three times because the 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 results kept coming back, back as inconclusive. And they kept saying that it was because she didn't, they could never get enough blood. So they kept doing these heel prick tests and she never cried. And I was like, that's weird. Because that's a lot of blood for a tiny little baby. Mm, that's I remember weird. that well. Yeah, the heel yeah. prick's supposed to be pretty traumatic. And Willow's like, sleeping, sleeping, like not, not even bothered. Um, so that was one and then her one week her one week milestone photo you know like the little like photo cards i'm a week old today and her two week photo or three week photo i don't remember which one she was in exactly the same position the legs were crossed the same way her head was tilted the same way where her hands were were the same were in the same place and it was just kind of like that's a bit weird so then um, we, then I just carried on with my day. Not think, again, still always kind of going, what's the, you know, I'm in the back of my head, I'm praying that something won't be wrong, but I'm still, you know, convincing myself that there will be. Um, and then my, my now really close friend, she was in our antenatal classes. She um, had her baby literally seven hours after Willow was born. And we met up when I think they were a month old. And it was, I think her little girl was just holding her head up a little bit better and seemed a little bit more sturdy than Willow, who was a little bit more flimsy. And when you look at that, you're kind of like, well, they're brand new, um, but you're always going to compare. So I was a bit like, okay, that's a bit weird. And then we went to England and Willow was four and a half months old when we got back she was five months old and um at that stage babies should be rolling and she was so close to the roll but she would never make it all the way 
and then we went to and then we got back from England no roll happened I don't think she she started rolling until much later um we went to a baby sensory class and we were in a baby sensory class that was five months to a year old and willow was the only one that was laid down just not interested in what was going on and at that point i was kind of like okay this is a bit weird her six month jabs came around and when her six month jabs came around they said that her weight wasn't doing too great and that she wasn't thriving um her social skills hadn't like developed enough Mm. for them to be convinced that everything was going smoothly and I was like no you're all wrong and I was just so in denial with all of it so I was like okay so they went look maybe try and go see an osteopath sometimes when they're in the womb like they have they they get stretched a little bit and their muscles might not be ready so you go see an osteopath you might be able to stretch her out and she might you know she might kind of spring into place um i think it was two sessions with the osteopath and she comes back and she's like willow's gonna need to keep coming we're gonna have to start physiotherapy with her and i was like okay you're an osteopath do you know what physiotherapy like do i go to another person like where am i going Mm. anyway after that we carry on she starts getting better at holding her head up she starts getting better at like Willow's six months old at this point and you put her on to do tummy time and she wouldn't lift her head. Like that's, that's to the point that we were at. And it's like at six months, actually, I don't know. Is it, should they be sitting at six months, six, seven months, right? Or eight months? I don't know. I think, yeah, like six or seven months. I think they're, yeah. I think they're sitting up. Yeah. I they're either like or like they or can hold their or... head a little bit, I think. God, you literally forget, but yeah. yeah, you do. I think, yeah, because you see babies, don't you, doing tummy time, even at three months. Yeah. They're sort of like, you know, their head's still wobbly, but they're trying mm. to lift. They're trying to lift it. So I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. So then Willow kind of just wasn't doing any of that, and then, um, like, every week I would have an email or a notification from the bump and from what was the other one, baby. What to expect? What to expect, there you go. And it was Willow at at six months, Willow at this. And I'm like reading it and I was like, she's not doing any of this stuff. She's not doing any of it. And that started to, if anything, just piss me off. I was just angry at that point. I was like, something's wrong. Nobody's taking me seriously. I remember taking, sorry, I'm all over the place, but I remember taking her to her three month checkup And I said to the doctor, I was like, she doesn't look me in the eyes. And the doctor looks at her, checks her over and goes, she's looking at me just fine. And I was like, great, cool. I'm glad she's looking at you, but I'm her mum. And also the lights are incredibly bright in here. So she's probably looking at the lights behind you. So at that point, I just kept feeling like I was getting shut down by different people until she got to about six months. And then when, when somebody was like, yeah, her, her weight's not improving, that's when I was kind of like, okay, cool, so what do we do? And then she was monitored. I had to go in once a week, I think. Um, they kept trying to push food on her and she just wasn't ready for it, so I stopped. And at that point, like the doctors were kind of like, no, you need to give her food. And I was like, but she's not ready for food. Like, I'm not willing to give it to her Yeah, yet. that's because it's six months, yeah. you start weaning, don't you? But you'll, you can't you start, start weaning, weaning yeah. unless they can hold their head up. So yeah, it's yeah. around that six yeah. mark. 
Yeah. So it was like they're trying. They're trying to, you know, tell me to, to to improve Willow's weight. It's you know the best way to do it is with food. And I'm like, well, she's not. She's not ready for food. Like she can't even see a spoon coming towards her. Mm. At first, we thought she was blind. Like that's where it was all. It was all all over the place. Um, and then we. Oh, so we got one doctor, and I thought we were like on it with this doctor and I was like brilliant like you know we've got somebody who's going to take us seriously and really really help us and she would email me all the time about tests that we should be trying and doctors we should be going to and I'll write a referral and don't worry and blah 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 um and then I realized that actually no she was just kind of seeing Willow as like an ATM in terms of like all the tests that we would do none of it was insure uh, like covered Mm -hmm. on insurance and all of this stuff but we ended up getting recommended to a neuro neurologist and this was one of the worst ones this is one of the worst things that happened because we had to go to a specific children's hospital we turned up at this children's hospital and when they tried to book us in they tried to book us in with a specific neurologist but they were on holiday so we ended up with somebody else so again it was just bad communication from the get-go and we ended up with somebody who just wasn't the most helpful and this doctor put two paper towels over Willow's face and expected Willow to grab them or push them off. And she didn't. And when she didn't, he turned around and said to us, there's something wrong with her brain. That's flat out. Those were the words that he uttered out of his mouth. And I was just like, and I remember leaving and I remember just bursting into tears because I'm like, nobody has any bedside manner in the way that they're going to speak to us about my daughter who there's clearly something wrong at this point I don't know if it's going to be a lifelong long problem I don't know if we've got a life expectancy weight like you know that's going to Mm. hit us in the face at some point like it was all of this stuff that was terrifying so anyway I then get told by this I then get a phone call from the doctor who referred us apologizing for giving us this neurologist you weren't supposed to go to him. So sorry. Like the other person was on holiday and I was like, brilliant. Well, it's happened now. There's something wrong with my child's brain. Should we work out what's going on then? And, um, we end up going to another neurologist who, um, runs a clinic that we are now frequent visitors of. And, um, she, he again was kind of like, yeah, there seems she needs an MRI. Again, he doesn't have the best bedside manner um but again he was kind of like there was a little bit more of kindness there rather than just a the brain's broken like it was more of a you know we need to do an mri we need to find out what's going on did the mri perfectly fine her brain is fine um so then what ended up happening was we did a genetic test and the genetic test came back with a oh my god i don't remember what the gene was like I used, I used to remember that gene. I used to remember that gene like code off the top of my head, but I, I've like blocked it out now. But anyway, the gene came back and we go, once the genetic test comes back, we go and meet with the neurologist and he sits us down and he said that like this gene uh, malformation Mm. or anomaly or whatever, um, has come from either mum or dad or both. And we were like, okay. Um, and they were like, so you need to do a genetic test now. So then James and I had to do a blood test 
and this gene we got told by the doctor just please don't google it <laughs> do not google what this gene is on this piece of paper i've given cut you cut to you and james like getting your yeah. phones out immediately and googling literally, it literally and that's exactly what we did and i was driving home I was driving home, James got to work. Now, we lived far away at this point. James was already at work, James had already Googled it. He phones me up and he goes, promise me, do not Google it, promise me. And I was like, why? He was like, just promise me you're not gonna Google it. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> like, cause he Googled it, he found out what it was and you know, our, his world started shattering around him. I go home and I Google it. Um, and it was a gene that causes, it's a gene mal malformation, again, gene anomaly, whatever you want to call it, I, again, don't remember. Um, and it causes something called lysencephaly. Lysencephaly is the softness of the brain and the life expectancy of these kids on average is around 10 years. So, Seeing that on the internet mm. and with my child who's asleep in a baby Bjorn bouncer, I, you know, there you go, my, my world's about to end and I'm, what, you know, what am I going to do? I remember phoning my mum and dad and telling my mum and dad, like, this is what's come back. And my dad said to me on the phone, he was like, you know, just, you know, make the most of the time that you have and all of this stuff. And it was just like... The most disgusting thing that could have possibly happened was to be given these results before we were then told, if one of you has this gene, it means that it's, it's benign. It means that it doesn't happen. It means that, you know, she's perfectly fine and she doesn't have this, this awful disease and awful syndrome, sorry. And um, we then do the genetic test. That takes three months to get back. And we're all sat there like, what are we gonna do with Willow this week? Like, I quit my job. I had a job at the time, and I was like, I'm sorry, I, just, I can't. I'm not. I can't do this. I need to focus on on my mm. daughter. And um, we did the genetic test. It came back. We went and saw a geneticist. Geneticist. We went and saw somebody that works with genes on a regular basis, and um, he was like, James carries the gene. So James carries this gene for lysencephaly, which means because he carries this gene and willow carries this gene they're not re like they're not related it james is a 20 oh he's 29 now but at the time he was 28 28 year old man very smart living his life and is not in fact not not um affected by this you know crippling syndrome um which then means because willow has this gene it's just carried down and it also, luckily, it means that there is now more research for um, children that do have lysencephaly, that if they have this gene, it might not necessarily mean that they have lysencephaly anymore, because James and Willow are two people who live a normal life without, mm. like, a completely normal life. So that's a benefit. But yeah, so that came back. Then all of a sudden, we're like, okay, great. But then it was on to the next thing. Like, we still don't know what's wrong with Willow. And, you know, at this point, Willow is very closely approaching a year, starts with a new physiotherapist and still isn't sitting up, but she is 10 months old at this point. 
So you get to the point where you're just kind of like, there's a delay, we don't know what's going on, we don't know how far these delays are, we know that they're motor delays, we know that they're physical delays, are they going to be social delays, are they going to be um, educational delays, like mm -hmm. we just didn't know anything. Um, and then you kind of fast forward to now and Willow still has a global developmental delay, she's still undiagnosed. Um, you know, we have our we have our suspicions as to what could be causing her her main delays, um, but we still don't know. We still don't know anything. And you um, went to the UK as well, didn't you, to go to? Yes. Um, oh, yeah. See, there's so much that I forget. Yeah, we went to England. But you went there, uh, and then you ended up not having the appointment, <laughs> so you came back. Yeah, doctors have like failed me, like. At, like really, really badly like like over and over again so you, were, you, were, found... you were meant to be going to great almond street weren't you yeah so the plan was that so i went in june of 2020 now at that point there wasn't tier systems there wasn't lockdown you know things would be like i went i i arrived i didn't even have to quarantine when i got there like i didn't have to take a pcr test i didn't have to take a pcr test before i left like there was nothing it was just you know we're we're going through a pandemic and we just have to you know do our best mm -hmm. so we ended up like securing a um appointment at great ormond street and it kept getting pushed and i was there for one month and i was like you need to really like sort your shit out guys because i'm only here for a month um, the last week we were there, they said that they had closed their offices and they were only doing Zoom appointments. So could we please do a Zoom appointment for the, I think it was like the 7th of July. I was like, brilliant. That means I'm doing it when I'm back in Dubai. So I went to England for an entire month and and then ended up like having a Zoom interview from Dubai with Great Ormond Street, um, which was I mean, it still gave us a bit of information. It didn't. It didn't tell us anything. But from what he he was basically given all of Willow's documents, mm. and he he had um, come to the conclusion that Willow has a global developmental delay caused by um, a genetic. Uh, what's the word? A genetic disorder. Um, but it might be, it might be undiagnosed for a long time it will be incredibly rare if you've already done a genetic test that you've not got the results for like like she could be one of the only people with this um so we might not ever find out to be honest and to be at the moment i'm kind of like pleased that we are undiagnosed because if we get a diagnosis on her now and it turns out later on in life that she doesn't actually have that diagnosis it is so difficult to remove those labels from children so when I see kids in America who get diagnosed with ASD and stuff like that at like 18 months old or just a year old and stuff like that, that's just, that can, that, that will affect that child for the rest of their life. And they could be fully functioning, very healthy, very happy adults, you know, but they will still always have that disability on them. And that can cause a lot of hassle. You can never, it's a label that you, yeah. that you really, really can struggle to get, get rid of. So I'm happy to, you know, keep her undiagnosed. They like to call them swans. So I like her as a swan right now. Did I you... forgot what the... Go on. No, I was just going to say, did you have a period though where it was all you wanted? Like it was all you can think about. Like I need to figure out what is going on here. Because... Oh my God. 
I can only imagine that that like that would just be your driving force every single day like who can I speak to next like point me in the right direction of someone that is an expert in whatever this is because I need answers to help my baby a hundred percent and I it it took a really really long time and it took a really long time for me to get to the point where I had two of Willow's therapists that I trust wholeheartedly um that I you know sometimes if they had a cancellation and then they had their lunch break I would be in in their room crying for three hours because Willow was having a nap and I was just like I just don't know what to do I just want to find out what's wrong with her like as soon as we put a name to it then you know we'll get the right things like it could be just medicine that that can help her and all of this sort of stuff and it's and it the only reality of that is that that's just my denial speaking in my head I was convinced that as soon as I knew what was wrong with Willow she wouldn't there wouldn't she wouldn't she wouldn't be broken anymore is essentially what I was thinking and then you know I would get to hear mama I love you when I would get and she would start walking and you know she would laugh when she you know or she would see daddy walk through the door and she would get really excited you know it was there was a part of me that was convinced that if I knew what if it had a name that would happen and that's not the case at all isn't it that's that's just such an unrealistic I I look back at that Bella and I'm like I want to slap you you idiot because it's just that that's your denial and that's that's your absolute fear and all you're hoping for is the best for your child instead of actually just adapting to what your life is which is you know it's going to be a lot of ups and a lot of downs and a lot of bloody therapy but I think that is like it's incredible how far you've come in such a short amount of time because mm. I probably would still be in that place of just like searching for answers instead of actually just accepting and in and like enjoying my child. Mm. Yeah. I think all I can thank for that is um Donna and Yaz who are who are Willow's therapists. Well, Yaz isn't Willow's therapist anymore because Donna's taken over, but I'm still really close with both of them. And I like, I remember going in to see Yaz one day for therapy, just, you know, we'd do, you know, we were doing, we had an aim and it was to get Willow sitting before she was one. And we did it and we smashed it two weeks before her first birthday. So like Yaz has a massively special place in my heart. Um, But I remember sitting with her and I was like, look, the next thing that, um, the neurologist has said is to do some metabolic testing and she looked at me and she was like and you know like you can't you can't say therapists can't really go against doctor's orders but therapists always therapists are there to assist doctors want answers therapists are working with your child to get the best out of them Mm. and that's what you have to remember they're two very different things and that's why I I love the fact that we've gone down a therapy route rather than trying to find a cure for something that probably will never have a cure Um, so to when I said they want to do metabolic testing it was kind of like a do you want to put Willow through you know more and it made more sense not to because she was very happy little girl who Yes, there are delays there, but yeah, we don't need to know. And if we do find out eventually, like then it's not going to change anything. The therapy will probably stay exactly the same. 
the likelihood is that if there's an answer for it, it probably just end up being more scary things, more risks and more, um, you know, uh, what's the word? Like medication that yeah. they recommend be on and all of that sort of stuff. She's perfectly fine. I mean, she's massively constipated most of the time, but she's fine. Like, yeah, at the moment, you, she's you know, not having a great time. At the moment, she's not very well. But At time of recording, she's not having the best weekend is Willow. But generally... Yeah, she's a very happy little yeah. girl, isn't she? And she is exactly. making huge um, leaps in her therapy, isn't she? Like, especially yeah. at the moment, like you did that video the other day of her taking actual steps. Yeah. And that's something that you, like, you weren't sure if she was going to do that. Yeah, there's been a, it's been a long time where I'm kind of like, okay, cool. Well, if she's not going to, if she's not going to walk, then, you know, she won't be a walking kid. That's fine. You know, people, worse things have happened. Worse things have happened. Um, and then one day, it was actually the last time my mum and dad were here. So in May, when I started crawling across the couch, like kind of like commando crawl on the couch. And I was like, if she can do this on the couch, she can work out how to do it on the floor. So I put her on the floor. She did it and she commando crawled. And it took her a couple of days to work out that the couch and the floor are pretty much the same surface, but she did it. And then um, a day later, she had got up on all fours and crawled like arm over leg rather than the commando. And yeah, she's crawling. And then that was a big one because she was just just under two and a half and it started crawling and then you know we worked out that if we regulate willow enough again an another thing about willow is you know we're pretty we're pretty um certain that willow has autism um we don't know how severe because we also are pretty certain that she's got sensory processing disorder mm. So those things kind of, those things are, at times can come in hand in hand, but if the sensory processing is, disorder is really, really kind of depleting them, it can make them, it can make their development really, really struggle. So when you kind of look at Willow's sensory needs, they're, they're a lot. I mean, she's got the coolest bedroom I've ever seen in my life because she's got a galaxy light that changes colors and she's also got a swing in the middle of her room because she needs it's very technical she needs the stibular um input and yeah. all of this stuff and um to give her to start giving her all of that on a regular basis and we we do deep compressions in her joints and you know we do everything we can to kind of keep her calm that has now helped with willow going oh i can put my foot down and I can take a step as long as I'm holding on to something. Soon she'll go, well, I don't need to hold on yeah. to something. I can take a step and then she's walking. So it's it's taken a while. I don't know if we're gonna be having a walking baby at the age of three. I don't know, but a girl can hope and you know, positive thinking and she's doing really, really well that I think feel like that is something that we could definitely look towards doing. Are your therapists um like very encouraged by what they're seeing? Are they like, okay, yeah. this is great. Like this this is all heading in a really positive direction because she's like she's improving. Yeah. So we've had so we 
Willow and James are on their way to England in a week and um, we have had one of our therapists kind of like on the phone to us on a regular basis going, you need to come and see me because we are on a roll and I don't want it to be ruined by a month off. So, you know, we're, we're doing like, I would say a pretty intense course at the moment as to how we can carry on while we're away. And, um, like she was like the our therapist was even even like i will go on zoom and if you're out of the country i will speak to your mum james and like i'll do it with bev and it's like all of this stuff and it's like because we are so close to getting it we don't want it to stop yeah if that makes sense but you have to live your life i'm so like i'm i and i do feel like a month off of therapy for willow will do her a load of good um Every time we've gone to England, she's she's come on leaps and bounds. She's become more aware. She's she gets excited. She gets really happy. England's like a, a, a there's something magical about going yeah. to England with Willow. Um, she just kind of comes on and and just becomes aware, and it's really really nice to see. So taking her to England is something that is we're really looking forward to. I don't know if she'll start walking. I doubt it, but you know maybe a little bit more talking um maybe hopefully but yeah so um the therapist will be willow's therapist will be on the other end of the phone i'm sure and on zoom often because they want to make sure that you know exercises still be get still are getting done and yeah. um you know she's she's doing we're doing all that we can to kind of keep up the momentum of of willow's development so oh i'm excited yeah. to see what happens when you go home and see i'm excited as well see what her experience is like and yeah i just think you know i think it's so hard when you're a mom one of the things like nobody warned me about was how like this like it's like a a switch is flicked on and it never turns off like you are just constantly worried about your child yeah and it can be really exhausting and draining because you're just it's yeah it's it's really it just never turns off and you have that but you have that like on such an intense level because you've got all the normal worries, but then you've also got this therapy mixed in and you're trying to like navigate all these new areas of things that like, I'm sure you didn't really know anything about before. And so how do you, for anyone that might be listening, that might be going through a similar thing, how do you Mm. kind of keep sane and keep like, keep yourself together? And I'm sure you have your days, I'm sure, but how do you stay so positive and strong and yeah how do you do it it took me a long time um and one this week is not one of my strongest um you know i could easily just burst into tears now because my life isn't fair um you know it's not fair that willow has to go through all of this like So this week is a bad week, but when your child hits a milestone that you've been waiting two and a half years for, holy shit, that happiness that normal parents encounter 
times that by a hundred. Yeah. And you will be like, and every time they crawl, every time they laugh, every time they look you in the eyes, when you know that it's not the most comfortable thing for them to do, and they look you in the eyes and you go, hi, Willow, how are you? Like, it's that moment where you're like, this is why I do it. Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything for, for like, I wouldn't wish to have Willow any other way because, and it's, and it's, and it's funny because we were having this conversation, me and my dad, and it was like, I, he was convinced that people, I say he was convinced. He was like, is that a coping mechanism though? When you say you wouldn't have your child any other way. And yes, I think it is. I do. I generally think that if like, but also it's, that's your natural reaction as a parent. Mm. You're always going to go, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have my child any other way because they are, they are, she's the person that made me a mum. Like, why would I change her for anything? So I feel like, um, it's, that's how I cope. There are times where I don't and those times are not as often as they used to be they used to be frequent they used to be I mean I don't think it ever stopped to be honest because I was in such denial I was so convinced that no Willow will you know well you know when she's walking and when she's talking you know it'll be fine and we can forget about all the days that we were at therapy and you know it took me a long time for it took me a long time and it took tough love from um one of Willow's therapists to go the likelihood is that she's going to have a deficit somewhere. Like, you're not, it's not going to be like, oh, there she is. She's fine now. Like, it's not, that's not what's going to happen. And it's that tough love from people that care about you and your child that kind of snap you out of it a little mm. bit. But even then, I'm still, you know, I'm still not 100%. I, there are times where, I mean, even, I'm going to say, even like um, a couple of weekends ago when you and Mavi are in the pool and you you put it on your Instagram stories and Mavi is um, using a fork and she's learning yeah, to, yeah, yeah. yeah, all of that sort of stuff. I'm like, I'm so happy that you're meeting these milestones. But you at times you can't help but go, God, I wish that was me. Like, yeah. I wish that was what I was experiencing. But then you kind of, you get over it. You can, I, I'm always so happy for my friends whose babies are hitting these milestones and achieving these incredible things. Why would I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish what, what I've been through on anybody else, but I know that it happens to a lot of parents and a lot of things don't go to plan when it comes to having children and babies and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So being that sort of you can't you can't be a negative Nancy about it you can't you know what I really salute you for saying that because I think (laughs) other people in a similar situation to you you know people I see on TikTok or online there are almost like these things like you say like I wouldn't have them any other way and we hear these phrases all the time yeah and it's really refreshing for you to go no sometimes I do look at other kids and go I wish we were in that place but yeah. it's a fleeting moment and then I'm okay. But it's, so, but it's, I think it's really important to say, no, I, I do have those feelings. Like I'm human. I am going to feel that way, but I don't yeah. feel that way all the time. And that's not me saying that I don't love Willow as much as you love yeah. your child. It's just, 
that's how I feel when I see those things sometimes. And it's frustrating yeah. and it feels unfair. And it's, yeah. and it's shit. Yeah. But then yeah. we continue. And there's so much exactly. positive stuff. I think it's really it's, refreshing to be, and you're always so honest. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's the only way you can do it. And it's like, and like, I'm, I'm going to be brutally honest at, at, at this because I feel like I can't possibly be the only person that ever thought about it. But when everything had first started, and you know all of the you know you know willow might have disabilities and oh it's going to cost us five thousand dirhams a month in therapy brilliant like all of that sort of stuff you i at the time you kind of look back to i i would look back to those three days it took us to decide whether or not we wanted a baby and you like you look at that and you kind of and it, it i look at that now and i'm like you idiot, why would you ever think that? But when you're going through those motions and when you're experiencing that that moment in time, you're always gonna look at like, oh, what's what's the saying? It's always like, you know, which way, which, like that fork in the road, which way are you like gonna the, go? Like the sliding doors movie. Is that what you mean with Gwyneth Paltrow? Have you not seen that? No. <laughs> oh my, right, you've got to stream that tonight and watch it, sliding <laughs> doors. It's basically okay. a story where she, she is playing two characters having the same life, but basically one day she gets on the tube, one day she doesn't. And you see these lives running in parallel. And so it's basically like those small decisions that we make can affect mm. our life. I mean, this is a big decision, but it's like yeah. how different would my life be if I'd have decided on that day to do something different? Yeah. Is that, and it's that like, sort of thing. Okay. And that's exactly what I mean. And, it's so good. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll definitely put it, I'll put it on my list. Um, but yeah, it's like, I, I look back to those days and those are the darkest of the days where I would look back at, at the time where it was like, is this the right thing we're doing? And like now, even though I've had one of, I, I'm probably one of the worst weeks with Willow. She's been probably the sickest she's been for a long time. And it's been really pretty traumatic this week. Even then I wouldn't ever think back to that, but it's because I'm in such a different place, yeah. but it's taken having those thoughts. It's taken crying myself to sleep. It's taken, you know, um, taking it like what did I what did I like just just a moment where I've had like time for myself and given myself a, an opportunity to go and have a day off or you know all of that sort of stuff to go no actually like I I I why would I ever think those things again I think that's that's a big one but yeah it's it's interesting when you get through those dark moments you won't realize that you're through them until you think back to them and you won't think back to them until you have a bad day that you have to remind yourself that you've had way worse. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, so, it does. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. <laughs> and this week is, I know you've had a really hard week this week and oh, she's been throwing up every day. It's horrible. You it have managed to <laughs> sick is just the worst <laughs> smell, isn't it? It's so difficult. Curdled milk, it's minging. But you've managed also to, you know, obviously we work together, you know, I know about Willow, but you you go out into the world and just put on a brave face and just continue. So you probably mm. do not give yourself enough credit because you've had a very difficult week, 
but you've also just completely soldiered on um and yeah you're just amazing so Bella as you know I usually do a quick fire round but um Mm -hmm. we've we've chatted away so I'm gonna have to have you back (laughs) on because (laughs) (laughs) sorry we we can we can yeah we can talk to the cows come home me and you so I'm gonna ask you one of one of my quick fire round questions so I want to know what does motherhood mean to you in three words Okay, so one of them is going to be a swear word. Um, But I would say, first and foremost, it's confusing. Sometimes you have no idea what your baby wants. That's confusing. Um, Secondly, rewarding. I do think it's incredibly, you know, amazing what you can get out of being a mum. And the third one is, it's a giant head fuck. (laughs) Let's not lie, shall we? <laughs> yeah, it is. It it's... really is. I don't. I don't think anybody can. Well, un- unless you're a parent, you won't understand that. But it. It once you are, you'll understand. It's so, <laughs> how can you feel so many emotions at once? It's yeah, yeah. It is. It's a massive head fuck. And you there's, no, the there's no end point either. It's not like, yeah. okay, we have completed this. Now I can relax. Yeah. It just continues because we still need our parents and we're supposed to be grown-ups. So like, when does it, there's no end in sight. The it's whole just reason, oh, forever. <laughs> I know. The whole reason why my mum and dad are visiting right now is because I need somebody to drive me to the airport when I go to England. That's literally it. I was like, could you please like move your trip to like a week later so then you can drive me to the airport? And they were like, fine. I was like, anyone listening, Bella's parents live in Oman and we're in Dubai. So it's not like they've flown from Australia just to drive her to the airport. Before anyone listening, it's like, oh, that's a bit extra. What a bougie bitch. (laughs) Bella, thank you for coming on here. I'm going to have to have you on again. And anyone that isn't following you they need to follow you because they will get more of this um thank you you are just always so honest and I really love how you are sharing this with people and I think there's no other other way for me to do it I'm such an attention seeking one (laughs) I was gonna I was gonna say really authentic um but (laughs) no so I was saying I was saying it to my my mum and dad they were like why do you why do you post everything on on social media and I'm like I don't because one of the things that I always wanted to be was a radio presenter or a television presenter that's not happened my life has taken a very different turn but I can use Instagram for that and there's no and and there's no boundaries I'm unapologetically myself and if people don't like that I don't care like I'm I'm so thankful that I don't care and I'm not that person that's like cool um I'll delete that post because I didn't get enough likes like I just don't care like it's fine by me well if people don't like it they cannot follow you and (laughs) the people that aren't interested are so irrelevant compared to the people who you're actually helping and who are like oh I'm not the only one that feels this and um and you know not all your content is just about Willow I mean you have like hilarious content just about your general life (laughs) that's a a part of your life it's not just it's not everything you are um but yeah I I love following you and 
thank you for just being so honest and and oh thanks I've really enjoyed it this is this is like a night out for me Locked, I know. In, locked in my bedroom with my Pepsi, you with your shampers. 10.30. I finished it and it wasn't champagne, it was Prosecco. Prosecco. <laughs> Let's um, not be that bougie. Yeah, this is, yeah. this is now way past my bedtime. I've already heard Mavia screaming three times during our conversation. Rami's got you? the monitor. I... Don't worry, she's not alone. Um, Bella, thank you for coming on. I will put a link to your Instagram in the show notes so people know where to find you oh, if they're not already following nice. you. And I'll see you at work on Sunday. <laughs> I'm not on I'm not in on Sunday. I've got a day off. Oh, I'll see, see you on Monday. <laughs> see you on Monday then, babe. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Massive thank you once again to Bella for being so open and honest. I just think Bella is such an inspiration and an incredible mum to Willow. And if you're not already following her, you can find the link to Bella's Instagram page in the show notes below. You can also find links below to the Friday's Child social media accounts, along with information on our monthly Meaningful Mama Mornings, which take place every month here in Dubai. With these Mama Mornings, we are so thrilled to be able to bring you a different expert guest in person each month from infant sleep consultants, weaning experts, parenting coaches, and so much more. So I really hope to see you at one of our events in the near future. And finally, I would be so grateful if you could show some love and please rate, review and subscribe to Friday's Child, the podcast to help us reach more wonderful mamas. Until next time, thank you for listening.